You are listening to part two of a two-part series. If you have not listened to part one, uh, you have to go back and listen to it or come back with approval from the department chair to get exemption from part one. If you have listened to part one, then uh, welcome to class. I am uh, Professor Salisbury, and um, I'm a real tough grader, so I hope you're ready for pop quizzes and shit. I've been talking to a, a number of very liberal coworkers, and I, I had a conversation with one, and she's like, yeah, protests aren't like when I was a kid, you know? They were safe and stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, Jessica, that's because you got a sign and went to your designated area and waved it around, and now we're getting shot at with tear gas. Like, that's... How old are your coworkers? Oh, I mean, she's got to be in her probably, like, mid-40s, I want to say. Oh, so, like, during the 80s? Yeah, right? So, like, not not too far removed. I don't but... know, but a lot of people get the shit kicked out of them by the WPO. I think she's yeah. wrong. I, I, I think, think she's wrong. Like she's, she's probably thinking about... don't know what that is. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Is she, that it's not it's not the time period shifting. It's the kind of protest that she's going to is what I'm driving yeah. at. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah. The White perfect liberal protest. protest. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, if she was like 60, then she would have seen like the Kent State protest where people got fucking shot by the National Guard. Right. And where where she was yeah. like, like stupid. You know? Did she not yeah. go to the Women's March? Pretty peaceful. <laughs> oh, I have no clue. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Like, I, I this was a five minute conversation, <laughs> like yeah, a deep yeah. rap sheet about her protest list, but. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't. But it, it's also the. West is a little wild up there compared to what? Yeah, I mean, I'm, what it I'm, is. Like I'm living in the, you know what I mean? the fucking battleground right now, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's something happening up there that it's more it's it's much more Portland, though. Like, I did uh medical aid for Trans Pride this year, and uh, you know, we showed up with the very slightest amount of resistance, and they took one look at it and were like, Yeah, we're gonna go beat up people in Portland. So right, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. It's someone in sixteen or seven when Trump got elected. There was someone got shot up in Seattle. Yeah, um, UW campus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, I think it was a fellow worker also. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's definitely more centralized towards like um, Portland, but the Pacific Northwest is just like rife with bash. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like it's kind of it's everything. Well, I mean, they're literally like white supremacist states, and and the thing that people don't realize about the West Coast is for all of our like lip service liberalism and shit. Like we're easily some of the most segregated places, you know. Yeah, yeah. like it I live in for a black in, person to live in Oregon until like 1920. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't know what the date was, but yeah. Well, I mean, was... that's that's the thing is like, uh, yeah, I I grew up in a town that was literally built on internment too. <sighs> Like, that was all happening primarily out here, yeah. Was that the Japanese internment? Yeah, Japanese internment. Yeah, Bellevue okay. is, is the town I grew up in. Sorry, I don't, I don't know what's happening with my internet here for a second. But it happens. Yeah. Don't worry, only I have the secure internet connection that reaches everyone's ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will... Yeah. Uh... What's on the internment? I, uh, for some reason, it explains... Oh, yeah, what... no, you used to be a strawberry farm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing, though, is it, it just gets glossed over entirely, and now it's, like, I mean, I guess it's really ritzy now, but back when I was a kid, it was a little more, like, oh, we're the folksy suburb of Seattle or whatever, like. I mean, even in terms of national history, like, a lot of people 
are like, uh, oh yeah, this thing that's happening with the camps, it's never happened before. It's like brand new. Like, this is yeah. not what we're like. Like, what are you talking about, man? You have people uh, who actually lived through the internment uh, protesting at Fort Sill as they were bringing migrants into like the actual military post now that they're trying to move into the next stage of making themselves unaccountable to anyone as as they carry this shit out. I mean, it's fucking... I mean, it's wild to think of all the things that are going on. And and it's sad to see, like, what, what state it's reaching. Um, and it's weird to think how many people are just, like, comfortable with that. Because I, I can't imagine, like, even on a military post, like, everyone is just, like, super comfortable with that shit happening. Although, like... I don't. I don't know. Like the closer you get to like the heart of the beast, even even there, I know there there would be people, who fucking just like, aren't about that shit. I mean, you have like leftist veterans like now. Um, Hello. On the other side. <laughs> There's a couple of people on the base, but they're probably you know, yeah. Yeah. your voice about too. anything is, is, is scary, and then the way that they uh, make the military like ranking and everything, um, kind of shuts you down. Too. Oh yeah. So, so it's very, it's very really, familiar with that. Yeah. There, like all. Oh, go ahead. There's just a lot of like suppression of like your voice and stuff in that situation. Yeah. I mean, even if there was, I mean, if you look at the like the military as a whole, I mean, it's gotten to the point where I don't even think the state doesn't necessarily have to do the most violent things to the military. I mean, back in the 1920s, not exactly the 1910s. So in the 1920s, I think you had the, the marching of the bonus army on Washington, DC, where they literally repelled world war one, uh, veterans with, um, Oh fuck. I forget who was there. I don't know if it was Patton, uh, who actually repelled them with an actual, with the actual still employed army. Um, to get those people out, and now you don't even have to do that anymore. Because, I mean, it seems like the only like the greatest act of dissent people are doing now is just driving up to the parking lot of the VA and just shooting themselves. Yeah. So I mean, the, the state doesn't have to do it. Like the, the guys will just do it for you. They're just yeah. fucking. Yeah, it's a uh, three veteran, three like three minutes thing. Suicide. Yeah. It's like pretty pretty bad. Uh, another thing, I had a conversation today that, so, this is close to me because I'm down in Louisiana, in Mississippi, they raided, like, some chicken factories, took, like, that were- Oh, they raided the factories there. where they made Democrats? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Got Uh, me and some comrades were talking about it, and, uh, that basically, like, uh, it's like that, those jobs, like there's, like man, it's it's just really weird. To, uh, those are jobs that like America, like quote Americans or what white people or whatever, you know, they don't want those jobs. The chicken factories are fucking disgusting. It's horrible. It's one of the most um, like dangerous jobs you can have too. Probably you know, like standing in chicken shit all day and just like massacring fucking animals twenty four seven. You know, right? It's, it's psychologically trying. Like a lot of meat producers and stuff wind up with what is it perpetrator induced stress syndrome or whatever it's oh. like the opposite of ptsd where like wow. you're the one who does it yeah they'll get their hands yeah they'll get their hands caught in the machines and uh oh yeah that's injured it. uh 
but since they're like they're, they're quote illegal uh you know you don't have to claim them that's not an insurance claim you know if you send them to the hospital or whatever you know like as a the boss or the employer they don't necessarily have to do that because they're like non like quote non-human to to them uh, which is basically like slavery except for they're, they're like kind of paying them but it's still slavery uh that so we were talking and you know i was kind of like well like this is a crazy fucking idea that these capitalists have like what what the like what are they thinking um they're like well they're just gonna have the prison population start doing that instead i was like oh that's even more capitalist because you don't have to pay them at least yeah prisoners already produce like um like quail eggs and shit for like whole foods Mm -hmm. right so like i it's a transition i think that they're they're trying to because it, it's like the cheapest labor that you have in america are these like uh migrant migrant workers that that cross the border illegally um mm-hmm. and, and you can just give them like the lowest the lowest fucking wage you can have they have some down here in louisiana in like the shrimping industry where they'll uh like they'll, they'll peel the shrimp you know for the packaging and everything and uh they have them in like a camp and they get they have like a camp store and they're not really like allowed to leave the camp uh and uh trying to kind of organizing around them but it's it's really difficult but uh that yeah it's it's that factory store but it's like the real ones from like the 1910s get them to read Connie Kosen mm-hmm Right, it, it's it's just really strange, but like without that work, like like without those workers, is this what they are? They're workers, their fellow work. Um, like, how, what are you going to replace them with? Because no one's going to want to do that job unless they're like really desperate or incarcerated, and that's that's like the the, the catch right there. That's like the 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 answer to the question, and it uh, just I've been depressed all day. One of the refrains Thanks, in friends. I, I just finished Connie Kosen last night and one of the refrains in it and we'll talk about it on like I think on its own episode or so, something like that. But uh one of the refrains in that was uh the workers kept saying like we're more dead than alive, so we may as well just like you know, fucking murder the boss. <laughs> right. Like we're we're gonna be killed very soon if we don't do something. So let's do something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a, a fatalistic move for justice as opposed yeah. to like a creative like it can be creative you know and it's kind of you know just because it's doing something i mean they weren't like, exaggerating in in the book because they were in kamchatka which is like oh yeah the northwestern most part of russia so they were like illegally fishing in russian waters in like freezing water in storms and they were like being worked like 14 hours a day and Sounds like my they, job. Yeah, it's crazy. They were getting um, this uh, uh, what's it called? Malnutrition disease called Betty Betty. And uh, yeah, it just kills you. That's it's crazy. That's horrible. It's a it's a hellish book, but it's very good. Well, I think we're all depressed anyway. now, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> You missed a depressing story about uh, malnutrition while uh, fishing in uh, Russian waters. Uh, basically. Yeah, I'm talking about the Crab Cannery ship book. 
that I read by uh, Taki G. Mm. Yeah, the more I talk about it, the more depressing it gets, so we'll move on to something else. (laughs) So we can uh, keep talking about guns, which I have a feeling is going to be continuing... (laughs) uh, Continue to be depressing, or... uh, uh, I uh, I have some stuff about like kratom or about how restaurant meals are statist. <laughs> yeah, so I mean they're they're literally just like the artifacts of kinghood because kings had chefs and and so then when we switched we deposed kings the chefs survived and we're like oh well let's make the restaurant. Yeah, they're definitely classist. I'm just like I guess I guess if yeah I mean it's yeah I mean even in the kitchen they have like their own little mini hierarchy. And you get the screaming people if you're the head chef. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like it's Gordon Ramsay's stuff. entertaining, but also, like, he sucks as, like, the type of person that he actually is in reality. Yeah. Oh, as, yeah. a, as a yeah. human being, he's horrible. Yeah. Hmm. I wish Anthony Bourdain were still alive. Oh, God. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. Yeah. Gordon, Gordon Ramsay's the kind of boss that you just need to punch. Yep. Yeah, we should all just organize against Gordon Ramsay, I think. <laughs> yeah. I never really even thought of about a restaurant like that now i'm now i'm not gonna go I'm not going have you ever seen his his daughter on any of the his shows she's like no. the most like prissy fucking like posh english <laughs> person you'll ever see on tv i can i can imagine that she's yeah. like daddy daddy yeah god <laughs> yeah i wonder is, uh, <laughs> so is mcdonald's status yes yes it is well mcdonald's yeah, yeah of course yeah, but I was gonna say like. But also, uh, everyone that works status. at McDonald's is a hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You have like like two different things there, just because like you're looking at um. You're looking at like the workers, which we're about, but then you're looking at the organization itself, which is obviously that 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 has to be destroyed or captured by the workers. That whole uh, you know what's funny? Thing. McDonald's is actually like the closest thing to feudalism that there is today because it's all franchise. So like every franchise owner is like a baron or like you know like a duke or something, depending on how many locations they own. And they're basic like basically their money comes from like owning key real estate. So it's like the same exact shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was like being a feudal sense. baron. <laughs> Yeah, that would make sense sort of as to why, like, so many fucking ANCAPs are, like, fascinated by monarchy, you know? Have you ever noticed oh, yeah. that, like, weird True. trend among them? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They all work at McDonald's. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> much. No, now that I think about it, McDonald's has, like, sort of perfected feudalism. Because, like, you know, feudalism, you give you give the land out to the serfs. And they make food for themselves, which they can share, like, I guess, amongst their family or community, maybe trade on a market. But you don't, you, there's no pretense for that bullshit. It's like, you make the food, that food isn't yours, even though you made it. Mm-hmm. And, like, goodbye, my burgers. You're not even, you're not paying the tax to your baron of two tenths of your burger. Like, they just, they get all the fucking burgers. And, 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 in in uh in payment instead you get maybe what seven twenty five an hour depending on whether your state has raised its own minimum wage from the federal minimum wage you know right so, yeah so plus most of the peasants eat 
eat because of gleaning. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, basically, you yeah. have to you have to head to the. Well, no, because because I don't know. It depends on the place. Maybe you get one meal per your shift. You you get the food that's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, it depends. I've worked at not McDonald's. I've worked at Wendy's. Um, I've worked at a I've worked at a Chicken Shack. Um, you get one meal typically per six to eight hour shift. So I, um, so what is the, what's the answer to meal time that isn't statist? I think the buffet is pretty close. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like, um, in, in like, uh, Indonesia and like you see this in um, fucking historical movies about Japan or, or other kinds of kind of like pre-industrial I guess uh, milieus, cultures, whatever you know you got these kind of roadside stands roadside food carts and stuff like that and like those are usually kind of run by like one or two people who you know split the the revenue or whatever it is um, from their efforts. And so like, I, I think actually uh, uh, a few of us in the discord, in this other discord, we're talking about um, like syndicalized food trucks as potentially uh, uh, like a response to the kind of classic status restaurant shit. Um, if that makes any sense, you know, the kind of just everyone owns uh, the food business as partners and um, and so forth, uh, if that makes any sense. So when, when I lived in Sicily, they have a restaurant there, and I can't really remember the name of it. I think it has something to do with, like, family or whatever. But uh, it's basically... La familia! <laughs> it's basically like a person's house, and you go in there and there's a long table, and they only seat so many. You pay, like, a couple of euro to eat, and uh, like, old Italian woman comes down and just starts putting food on the table. You don't like pick what you get to, like what you're gonna eat. Like they just cook the meal, and it, it's just like a big smorgasbord, like on a table. Uh, that would probably I would constitute that as like that would be like a non-status restaurant. That's great, but... and also like maybe the biggest hurdle because like I feel like people are really into being able to choose what food they get, you know. I like I think if you're the one that's making the food, you should have the most say in like what it's going to be. You know. Mm-hmm. Um that reminded me though, I totally forgot about this, but um I went to Austria when I was 15 cuz we uh we did like a exchange student thing, so we like hosted some Austrian students that came to live with us for a couple months. Um and then I went there to stay with one of them for, uh, I think it was 11 days. And, uh, they took me to this thing. I can't, I can never remember the name, but I think it's called a Bezenschank. And it's basically like a little farm that has like, they grow like some crops and, uh, some animals. And, uh, they have, it's like this little, like, uh, cafeteria like room. It's like got like picnic style tables and shit. And, uh, they bring you out like fresh food that they grew on the farm and you don't, you don't, I mean, I don't know if 
we picked what we got. I don't think we did because they just gave us like a smorgasbord type of thing. And it's all like fucking like fresh food from a farm. It was really delicious. It's like the best thing that we did during the trip, I think. Literal farm to table. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really is. Wait, there what was about a... some... Oh, go, go, ahead. go ahead. Mine wasn't the oh, same, okay. but it is similar. Uh, it was like a, it, they called it the golf course, but it was like a driving range, really. <laughs> but um, they had a restaurant, and they had like the best escargot I ever had. And uh, I didn't realize it, but then when I walked outside, I noticed like all around the house that was kind of built there, that was like the restaurant and the golf club and everything. Um, there's snails all over the place. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they grow their own snails. That's probably why they're so good, but uh, wow, that's crazy! I didn't ever even like in. I don't know. It was, it was pretty interesting. So I think they were doing like a similar thing to that, Ryan. But uh, I didn't speak the Italian that I could speak later on at that point in time. So I didn't really couldn't ask any questions. I was just a dumb American on holiday. <laughs> what were we gonna say, Sloan? Oh, so I mean, what about some sort of like a. A hot pot kind of a thing where the communal like shared thing isn't, oh, true. isn't the food, but like the the tools to make the food. Yeah, yeah, and then ju- you just like uh, people just have to do food prep. They don't have to do like a full like cooking a whole meal. Yeah, right. So you just you cut up your vegetables or whatever ahead of time, and then you head to your communal eating place, and then you sit down with everybody, and you you find somebody who doesn't have any like allergen crossover issues with whatever you brought and you sit down and eat with them yeah yeah because the other thing about being like like working in a kitchen at a restaurant is like it's kind of a high stress situation at least when you're making like like restaurant meals i guess i guess we'll we'll just differentiate between like like a buffet and a hot pot and a restaurant and a restaurant is like the thing that we're saying is status so like yeah if you work in like a restaurant you have to make every meal like as it's ordered. So you have to like work really fast and you're working like while people are eating. Whereas like if you're in like a buffet, then you just like replace the meals as they're eaten. And then if you're in a hot pot place, you just like do you just like prep food like in advance and uh, you don't really have to do anything except for, I guess, like uh, put the soup in the pot and warm it up, <laughs> which people can do themselves. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I work in catering uh, now, and, and literally, like, I stand around all day until it's time to replace something, and then we replace it and go back to standing around. Yeah, that It's, really like, sucks. very straightforward, and there there aren't orders being barked or anything, you know? You just kind of sit down and do your job, and everybody's got their little part, and then you go home. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, like, uh, I mean, there's the, like, art aspect of like restaurant cooking where like, especially on like cooking shows, you know, they're like, uh, all about like the presentation of everything and like, you know, pairing everything on the plate together and making sure it all is like coordinated or whatever. And, you know, the ones that look extra, like visually spectacular are considered like the best meals. Um, and if you're doing that in like, uh, like a buffet type setting, it's like, the art is like the spread and it's for everyone instead of just the person that ordered it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe like we're approaching this from the wrong angle then. And it's not so much that 
we even need to be finding an alternative to restaurants or anything, but what we need to be doing is, is like doing something antithetical, like maybe a dinner party as the antithesis to a restaurant because it's, it's not orders. You're just inviting somebody to your home to like mm-hmm. take part in the art that you're making. Yeah. The idea that yeah. I've had for the longest yeah. time is uh, just like a community kitchen where it's like a local place near where a bunch of people live. And uh, you basically like, like the reason I thought of it was because I was working at a bakery and the sous chef was complaining that she never cooks at home because all of her equipment sucks ass compared to the stuff they have in the restaurant. So it's like really sucks cooking at home for herself. So like, I was like, well, what if there was a place that you could go that just had like the same types of equipment they have in a restaurant, but like you can just use it yourself. Essentially a kitchen library. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kitchen yeah. library. Yep. I'm sorry. A library. Uh, oh, what do they call that? A library can solve much of capitalism's problems. You can just <laughs> go to like library science on everything. Yeah, like your gardening and everything. You have like a tool library for your neighborhood where it's like community tools. You need to like mow your lawn or whatever. Hopefully those don't exist at this point in time. Uh, you just go there and the lawnmower would be there or whatever, you know, you need to till your, your uh, garden, a tiller would be there and you just check it out, come back. Same works for the restaurant. I think it's a pretty good idea. I don't have any yeah. other examples of that, but there you go. No, I mean, I, th- I think any, any sort of tool use is, is, should be done that way. Like, I mean, from, from a fucking hammer and nails to like, you know, high, high-intensity scientific equipment or whatever, like, it should all just be publicly owned like that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I want also from- access to the Large Hadron Collider, okay? I need it. <laughs> <laughs> really, though? Like, why not? Yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. From an ecological standpoint, also, that's better, because now you don't have, like, a, like a Home Depot or, like, a, a spatula store that's just yeah. full of, like, all of these items that no one necessarily needs to buy but they're still like producing them or like what we do now you just produce them and you're like well shit we don't know what else we can do make it wi-fi compatible oh yeah <laughs> you know and it's it's the same thing with junk you don't need but like you need it so because everyone else has it or whatever it's the latest greatest thing Right. If it, with our current system, we're incentivized to build tools that break so that they can be replaced. But if we have everything as a tool library, we're incentivized to build tools that last for a long time because then everybody exactly. can use them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is there anything less fucking bourgeois than building tools intentionally so that they will break? Like, fuck <laughs> those people. Throw them all into Garbanza gas crater, to quote a friend of mine. <laughs> oh, oh, speaking of which, uh, oh, yeah. a little news item about that. Yes. <laughs> so the president of Turkmenistan, apparently there was a rumor uh, that he was dead uh, that lasted for about two weeks. Like he just wasn't in the public eye. And was gathering, like, gathering around getting hopeful. <laughs> apparently Turkmenistan, uh, very few people have access to the internet and it's highly censored and the country is generally like very secretive and authoritarian. Uh, I mean, like nobody really knows shit about it. So, I mean, I'm not totally surprised. But uh, so the president uh, decided to quash the rumors that he was dead 
by getting in an ATV and doing donuts around Dorvaza gas crater. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a car. Oh, I mean, uh, it was like a lorry or something, I think, right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever cars it's they have in Turkmenistan, yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. sort of 50s vehicle. Right. <laughs> they probably drive those things everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right. All it uh, would have taken, though, is uh, one person just, uh, you know, driving into him, and he would have gone into the pit. <laughs> and then he would have actually been what everyone quote unquote feared. Yeah. Um, so parody, um, parody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dang, those libel laws reaching all the way from Turkmenistan. <laughs> right. It's Good great. point. Okay. <laughs> Angry Turkmen's coming to get us. I can't. I can't imagine what it must. Like, I think it's just, like, sort of off the chain uh, how much news has changed with access to the internet. But I can't I can't imagine what it'd be like going back to, like, non-internet times, although... Yeah, like, if the internet existed, but you just couldn't go on it? I don't know. I feel like, like we're almost to that point now where it's, like, so much of my internet usage revolves around so few sites... And even like those sites change their rules so that like the original like usages of it um, are like changing. Um, I guess at this point, like there's so much like I've gotten out of like Reddit and Twitter, but even those are gonna like start cracking down uh, on on like their own things. Like because I know like Reddit is now starting to go over its more extremes like left and right and bringing those in which i mean it took them long enough to go after the right but then it's like they they uh put was it chapel trap house on the yeah, quarantine list um and then like as, as far as twitter goes it's like i i can't even keep up with what it's doing frankly like there's more important things than this but like frankly they're uh they're changing to the desktop uh ui or um it's it's gooey it's it's frankly yeah. disgusting and uh i will not stand for this blatant censorship of uh good looking uh layouts i'm i've been greatly angered by uh twitter's recent changes but i mean also other dumb stuff that it does um uh, how I actually just... don't mind the new layout. The only thing that bothers me is that you can't easily open things in new tabs, and they got rid of the copy link to tweet button in the tweet menu. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. Oh no! It's just fucking oh, awesome. it's still on mobile. Yeah, you can it find is it on mobile. Yeah, I think maybe they haven't added it yet. It could desktop. be. Yeah. I mean, I I've been talking about this a lot with like local comrades, though. So we need to be building like robust sneaker nets, you know, like physical channels oh, of, yeah. of communication and, and burner phones rather than encryption, that sort of a thing. Yeah. yeah sort of outdo- being more nimble by the state, you could move back to like less advanced technologies as they're uh, as they sort of backdoor more elaborately into the, all the newer stuff. Yeah, I mean, it much yeah. more easily evades surveillance and stuff. This is what I was saying Plus, about uh, resurrecting okay. junk tech, but go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, um, 
I read a study a while back that uh, the internet is actually so energy intensive. You can uh, take like paper media and drive up to like it was something like two hundred miles. It, it, it was either eighty or two hundred. I can't remember. It's quite a big difference, but it's still like a lot, you know. And uh, that's more efficient than sending <laughs> something via the internet. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, yeah, I can believe that. That's that's fucked up. Yep, that's fucked. It's one say? of the reasons I'm trying to like get everybody up to fucking Seattle. To be honest, it's just like I want to just <laughs> not not to have to stop chilling with people just because I uh... send a pigeon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There we go. Homing pigeons. <laughs> well, I do. As the uh, resident old, yeah. I can't imagine a world without the internet. <laughs> and uh, I literally a... can't because I grew up with it. <laughs> it was, uh... I mean, I don't. I don't think any of us are so young that we don't remember a time before the internet. Like, I don't think I had a personal computer in the house until I was probably about twelve or thirteen. Like, it's it's early days, but like, I definitely remember being a teenager and being like cell phones are gonna be a fad <laughs> my dad is a big tech nerd so actually we had a computer uh in the house since i was like four or five years old yeah oh, I wow remember. and i was using it <laughs> i was on the internet by the time i was like seven or eight my uh babysitter showed me how to use like infoseek yeah. i had a i had a commodore 64 <laughs> nice it's <was> pretty rad <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, dad would get uh, you know, like three news, three newspapers a day, and a bunch of magazines. And that's basically what you had with like yeah. radio or whatever. And uh, I guess it's better now because you can you can see like more of the world, but it's worse because you see everyone's perspective of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you cue in on the wrong perspective, an asshole you will become. <laughs> I mean, business um, basically destroyed the web because before it was just like anyone could put up a website very easily, and that's what the internet was. It was just people putting up their own websites, and then like the dot com uh, bubble happened, and that you know, or dot com boom, I guess that brought a lot of businesses on. But they were still, it was still just like phone book entries, basically. And then now, business has destroyed the web, where instead of having the web, we just have apps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um I I haven't looked that much into it, but you know, Mammoth or whatever has that thing where like it's not so much a social media website as like a social oh, media protocol. Mastodon, yeah. Yeah, Mastodon, I think actually yeah, the protocol yeah. Mastodon. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make our own called Mammoth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there right, we right. go. You know, a socialist one. <laughs> I just sort of miss I guess like pre-social media internet. Um, yep. Because I've I've had basically some form of computer since I was like a a baby, and I wasn't allowed to go outside to play with the neighbor kids, um, because my family was uh super paranoid like that. Um, <laughs> mood. So, so I I I feel like I've grown up with like the internet as like a twin, and I've sort of seen it, uh, per like uh. Like prior to like MySpace, you know there were GeoCities and Angel Fire sites, yep. and it was interesting to see MySpace. It was interesting to see sort of early Facebook as they started rolling it out to the high school kids instead of just college kids. Um, Even MySpace was closer to 
the old web because you could like your page was extremely customizable. Yeah, but it ended up being terrible because people would put like animated backgrounds and shit like that and like like slow your computer to a halt. But you know, <laughs> it's still kind of cool. <laughs> I had music and you'd go on something and it's just yep. like some dumb song. Yep. Oh my god! Midi, a midi song. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a friend that made like a social media like uh, website out of Boston in like '98 or around that point in time. Before like like Friendster and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was before Friendster. Um, but yeah, it was like a lot more free. And now you could probably do that, but. I think he probably had like a like a thousand, couple thousand people on there. I don't. If it didn't like have like if it didn't kick off of like Twitter or like Facebook now, no one would go to it. You know, it's just those are like the beast. Although I guess the fascists do prove that when you do get kicked off of that, you just go to something else like Mastodon, or uh, you go into a knitting Gab. website and or Gab, right? But there was a there was some knitting website that they went on that they used to chat on also and, and really? like yeah yeah can't remember the name oh, of that's fucked weird leave those women yeah. alone yeah right yeah and they went and yeah it's it was wild but they didn't have like you know they kept losing their space so they just started going and like hey this has like a chat program and wow some right wing guy that was uh. In my mentions yesterday, he 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 had the weirdest bio. It was like uh, Christianity, guns, family, blah blah blah, and then like the last thing was quilting. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that was probably a cue on that man. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know, maybe not. Oh, he means QAnon. <laughs> no, I didn't really mean that kind of cue, but like the other kind, like whatever. Where we knit one, we knit all. Right. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet it was some sort of like, "Hey, I'm on this on that knitting site, also." Type. Oh, yeah. Wink, or it's wink. Q, like, like the JQ. Right. <laughs> wink, wink. Okay, sign, fucker. It's, yeah. it's sort of weird to see like all the the like the wild, wild west places of the internet. Because I've sort of like grown, grown up like sort of like seeing around like the like those weird rambunctious parts of of the internet. Because um, to sort of out myself again as a gamer, um, I was like on Game Facts, and at one point I actually um, was on like the message boards when I was like thirteen, twelve, and. Like there were wild and out communities on GameFAQs, and and you would see message boards which people couldn't even join anymore because like there was like one message board which got up to like the weirdest things. They would brigade websites. Um, I remember one of the things they did was like they freaking um they 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 found an online uh, memorial to someone and they just like basically. Uh, electronically vandalized it and then uh like the next thing after that is like you know you start seeing mentions of 4chan pop up and you're like oh what's 4chan and it's like it's it's weird how there's this, like this rolling ball of shittiness that's somewhere on the internet and you, you can sort of like 
eke out the edges, but I I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. It sounds like GameFAQs was the original Reddit. Ooh, maybe because I mean, like message boards are almost like they feel they feel really similar um, to like the whole Reddit thing, except Reddit adds uh, I, I I guess uh, upvoting and downvoting. Yeah, this this fake difference. currency <laughs> to all their interactions. Whereas GameFAQs was like, I was here first. Let's have a long form conversation. These conversations yep. are in record, um, and it doesn't matter how popular you are. Or how how many people will upvote your dumb thing? Uh, you had to be good at posting. Yeah, it was the original battlegrounds for posting. Yeah, um, I think something have, awful is also a lot like Twitter. Yeah, we had Same like a local message board you had to like call into <laughs> off of like dial-up internet. <laughs> Embarrassing. Yeah, I am. But uh, kind of cool. And then you like shit talk actual people that lived in your neighborhood because it was it was it was like super regional county or yeah god i'm old so just to reveal what a dork i was uh when i was like 11 12 uh the first like uh like social internet thing i got into like not just like browsing around at like websites and stuff um was uh an invader zim forum (laughs) called uh room with a moose (laughs) that actually sounds uh super cool and it, uh, it was pretty cool. It was, I was basically just like uh, talking to a bunch of goth kids, you know. <laughs> I would have At never point, pegged. Huh? Go ahead. No, I would say I would never pegged uh, Invader Zim as goth. Oh yeah, it, it was definitely yeah because it was all like um, I mean it was like creepy and uh, Jonan Vasquez was like uh, he also did um, Johnny the Johnny homicidal, the homicidal maniac. maniac yeah yeah which was like super like goth kid thing yeah it's um, like a goth institution practically like i mean he's yeah. uh my first girlfriend was super into him yeah if you're like a, if you're like a basic bitch then you like nightmare before christmas but if you're a real head you like johnny the homicidal maniac <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> we, that we and like that... hr geiger yeah yeah <laughs> we went from that like message board to uh aol chats that's oh yeah, I was doing AOL chats at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and that was different. The, it was kind of more like the phone, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Two point oh. Yeah. I was, was uh, basically texting before. Before even texting was could could be a thing, I guess. Yep. Yeah, for sure, because you had like the the direct message or whatever they called it, so you could just message the the person and talk to them. Oh man, I can't remember the other one. I R C Q, maybe. I C Q. Like, yeah, I C Q is like another chat that that they had. Yeah, I never got into that one. Yeah, I had. Um, I would talk to like different bands and stuff, like bands I I would meet. So I was like really in the hardcore scene and stuff, and that's kind of like how you would talk to the guys that were like out of country and everything. It was really weird. Mm. There was also I R C, which was uh, the original like chat room. IRC. Know, it was IRC yeah. that we were all. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that still exists. Um, ICQ is long defunct. That was a, more like an IM thing, but um, IRC lives on on uh, I2P, which is like uh, this. Uh, it, it's like Tor times a thousand, basically. It's called uh, the Invisible Internet Project, and 
Yeah, we it's be, kind of interesting yeah. the way it works. It's it's basically like um, everyone has like a uh, like everyone passes around messages through the system, and each message has like an identifier on it. It's just like an encrypted ID, and so basically how it works is you pass the message until you see one that's for you, and then you just don't pass it anymore. And so that's how it keeps anonymity. Is like no one knows who the message is going to except for the person that it's intended for. Mm. And uh, there's an IRC server on there. It's cool. That's pretty cool. I was really into it in like 2010, 2011 when the Arab Spring was happening. Oh, nice. Yeah, I bet it's that's a that. I mean, that's how. What's the security like on that? Like, oh, it's crazy. It's got. Yeah, it's got really heavy encryption. It's it's actually very, very slow because of all the encryption and anonymity stuff. Right. But it's pretty impossible to track anyone through there. Yeah, if you ever really want to get paranoid and fuck up your broadband, just fire up the VPN and go on a Tor browser and see what happens. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I got fiber, and like if I, if I get all that going, it's, it's like everything just creeps. But... Oh, and supposedly the original uh, I2P protocol, which is called the I2P tunnel, was written by, uh, it's rumored to have been written by Julian Assange because it was by someone named Jay Random, and that was supposedly a pseudonym that he used in his early days. Weird. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 That's where I learned about Bitcoin, like right when it came out, and I... um, I was mining, like, before almost anyone knew about it. So I'm pretty sure that there's a wallet out there that I just lost. I could have had, like, an extra, like, $30,000 or whatever (laughs) at one point if I had sold during the peak. (laughs) Man. I wonder what Bitcoin prices are now. Wow, it's still, oh, 11877 11, wow, it's like uh yeah the peak was around 18 yeah 15 18 something like that damn some somebody told me about it on a boat and they were like yeah i'm taking this whole paycheck and dropping it that guy that guy is he a bitcoin millionaire now oh he's yeah he's douchebag but uh (laughs) he's probably an end cap but like not really loud about it just like (laughs) Mental, same like same philosophy. He just doesn't have a name for it. A hundred percent sure. There you uh, go. I believe I should keep all my money and also uh, be allowed to shoot people who want to take my money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically that. Yeah, yeah, that's like everything. <laughs> I like yeah. money and I hate the government, which are not contradictory positions at all. <laughs> When you when you dig real deep down to it, aren't we all just in our hearts a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to be able to sell myself, uh, sell all my labor in a futures contract, and uh, just be a slave for the rest of my life because that's fr- that's real freedom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you ha- you have to admit though that there is some sort of a weird appeal to like. <laughs> wanting to be domesticated in a sense and just have everything be easy. Like this is why people give into fascism is because it's, it's simpler and they don't have to think about it. That's true. I do hate deciding what to eat for dinner. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's literally like the thought process, right? Is like you don't want to look at all the bad parts of society or whatever that you think you, you don't want to deal with. And so you just want it to go away. Like liberals do the same thing. Yeah. Just in a very different way. So yeah, if any fascists are listening, if you if you promise to decide what I eat for dinner every day for the rest of my life, uh, I'll totally work for you. <laughs> Just kidding. I would never do that. <laughs> I just kind of want to move to a society where we just all wear jumpsuits. They can be different colors. You can put patches on them if you want. But, like, a jumpsuit coveralls is, like, the most comfortable thing you can wear. <laughs> I'm still and it's, easy. it's easy. It's, it's the pants and the shirt. It's all put together. You don't have yeah. to do anything. You don't have to worry about your shirt. Make, make it tracksuits because tracksuits are cool. Yeah, but it's not all. I want all one piece. I want just the one piece. I don't want like a, you know, a, a top. It's so and a awkward bottom. to poop. Well, there is, there is, there is a trick to that. And oh, get, butt flaps. Okay. Yeah, you just get the butt <laughs> flap, and that's easy. It's easy. You just get the two buttons, and boom, you're done. Okay, maybe I have to rethink this. I forgot about the bathroom things. It could be really horrible. You. Uh, I've I've yeah. worn some jumpsuits in my day. Like I don't find it that difficult, really. You know, and a lot of them come with belts and stuff. Like you just unzip the top bit and pull it down. Like you know. Yeah, okay. I wear I wear like coveralls at work all the time. And then um, a fun aspect of living in like rural Louisiana is uh, all the old guys. They like that's like their fashion. They wear these. This is kind of where I'm getting it from. They'll wear that with like cowboy hats and cowboy boots. And it's like a one piece with like a little belt on it or whatever, and uh, that's like that's like a look. It blows my mind. You can go into all the finest haberdasheries. That's where I shop, and they'll have like those like those one piece like jumpsuits hanging up in there. Um, and so Zydeco music is like really popular down here, so popular that like the punk rock kids like instead of like. Uh, being like skinheads that turn into rockabilly kids or like punks that turn into rockabilly they turn into like zydeco like players or whatever and like they all started fucking wearing those things i'm just like god you guys are like 30 you're not 60 yet what are you doing you're not supposed <laughs> to move into that wardrobe down here until you're you're like a whole lot old but um i don't know dr venture would wear them on the speed suit i think it's a good oh, look. true yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a good look it's it's functional but you know, whatever it, you know. But I wouldn't want to dictate to people like what what they need to wear if they didn't want to wear it. The the easily put on, no choices made. I don't like having to look at my clothes and figuring out like top bottom. Does this match? Does this look good? I agree. So if there's any fascist out there that want to dress me, <laughs> just go ahead and tell me so I can punch you in the face. Because <laughs> I don't think uh, I'd be down for that. So I was I was tweeting at uh, David Graeber this morning, and uh, he was talking about universal basic income, and I was I was just saying that like um, you know if you have like universal basic services instead, then it like reduces class divisions because rich people basically have to use the same shit as poor people, as opposed to UBI where you know you're just buying stuff from businesses and rich people can still have like the fancy shit or whatever. Yeah. means of production um, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it got me thinking like, what, 
what are all the things that the state could take over that we haven't already thought of? And one of the first things that came to mind was clothing, because uh, I was saying on, like, the last episode we recorded, like, clothing is one of the primary, like, class signifiers. Like, rich people will notice your clothes before anything else. And it's also one of those things where, like, the government could easily just produce a bunch of clothes and then put them in a in a place where you just pick out whatever you want to wear and take it home with you, like a clothing library, you know? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be good to have something like that as, as a backup, potentially, but clothing is a lot more than just, like, basic personal covering. It's also, like, you know, an expression of yourself. And, and so we should definitely have that available to people, but I think that would just go along with, like, the general method by which we're we're feeding and housing people you know you just also get guaranteed clothes anybody who's who's naked then we'll just make you clothes or whatever right like yeah i don't know if that that really lends itself to the library structure we can have the community sp- screen printing place where if if you're into personal expression you can get a uh, government produced blank shirt and then screen print whatever you want on it and the equipment's there and you can just uh yeah make anything you want but no fucking brand names. Fuck all that shit. <laughs> that stuff sucks. <laughs> so I thought you were going another way with that, Ryan, when you said the state. And I was thinking of suppression and how, uh, like, schools, everyone has to wear uniforms and everything now. going to be like, everyone has to wear I, a uniform I kind of support school uniforms, honestly. I, I, yeah, I think... Canceled. <laughs> I mean, like, kids get make fun of, made fun of for their clothes at school all the time, and, like, it's usually because they're poor and they're wearing, like, bobo shoes or whatever. Right. That's fucked up. Like, uh, it's, make it's all the kids ha- wear the same shit. It still happens. They can express that. themselves when they're not in school. <laughs> yeah, it still happens with that shit, though, because of, one, the shoes, the big one. But then, like, you know, you can you can have, like, some Ralph Lauren pants or, like, Tommy Hilfiger your pants when the other guy's got like dickies on or something um so it's, it's still there but i don't think it's like quite as obvious like if yeah. everyone has to wear blue shirts all the time well and you i'm assuming and that you the school have... would issue the uniforms it wouldn't be like uh, this is the dress it's not like a dress code it's like oh. literally a uniform because oh, it, yeah, it, it, it depends at private schools they their uniforms um i, I I mean, to help myself again, I went to private school, like, first through fifth grade, but those uniforms Canceled. are, like, <laughs> now you have to all buy buy the stuff. It's not, it's not issued to you, not even through the ridiculous tuition that was probably paid for me to go there. Um, so, I mean, it's, it was passed off as another cost onto the parents. I mean, granted, I mean... I guess, like, even then, like, your uniform is, like, a class signifier because, like, now you have to afford to be able to pay tuition. Now you have to be able to afford to buy the uniforms. Yeah, yeah. So. If you're walking around in public in that school uniform, you're designating yourself away from other people, too, you know, because you got the money to buy the uniform, go to that school. But the public schools, at least down here, they all have uniforms. And uh, it's, like, khakis and a polo or whatever. And I think it's like a designated collar shirt, maybe, like like it's blue so or, is it, or whatever. Are they issued uniforms or is it like a dress code? Um, 
okay, it's a it's a dress code. I'm sorry. Okay. But to me, that just seems like it's a fucking uniform. Because when I went to school, yeah, I mean, if it's like uh, out, the dress you know? code is really strict, then I guess it's pretty close to a uniform. But I'm talking about the ideal situation in my mind, where you're just you're just issued clothes so that kids don't get bullied for being poor. No, I think that would that's the the way around it, really. And that way, it makes everybody uh, the same or equal. You know, yeah, and you're not walking around with like Jordan. You know, everyone gets converse. Yeah. Or, or what? You know, everyone gets like a, a knockoff pair of Chuck Taylors, which is like good, good shoes. That's really Super all you Chuck need. Chuck Taylors or Doc Martens. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and just some pants. Or really, they should be wearing jumpsuits because it is the ultimate fashion of the future. <laughs> uh, but uh, silver jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's even fancy. Yeah. Now you, you might go to space in one of those astronauts <laughs> on jumpsuit, but. That they don't get us, they don't get us fed. Um, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. So it, 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 I don't. That's that's where I went when you're bringing that up. I was thinking about it the other way, but the other way is much better because like clothing is a big deal. Definitely involved in like a lot of activities where we like do like clothing drives for people, and then like we'll hand out like clothes to homeless people, and like do like a jacket drive, um, in the winter time, you know. I was yeah. wondering where those jackets go in the summer because they don't, they just disappear. They make good pillows. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I'm that's... sure that's responsible for a lot of the jacket drives is homeless people just can't keep the clothes that, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, because you don't have any, any place to put it. And uh, Ur- Ursula Le Guin's, um the Dispossessed, they had a uniform system that was similar to that. And I think they kind of like fashioned them away a little bit. But, like, you would wear your shirt, and then when the shirt was bad, you took it back, and they gave you another one. This shirt has holes in it. I need a Yeah, that kicks now. ass. Mm-hmm. It's like a clothing library. Oh, that's seriously wrong, boys, where I got that library. Library socialism. Yeah. Boom. Yep. That's it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It, uh, it... So, last thing before uh, we wrap it up. Um... John actually asked about this earlier, and we we kind of uh, glossed over it, but uh, Kratom. Uh, so you were wondering what, what Kratom is, John? Yeah, what that? Uh, so basically, it's a, a tree leaf from Indonesia, and uh, it's what's called a biased opiate agonist. Uh, and that basically means that it uh, activates your opiate receptors but not in the same way as like a regular opiate. Um, it's like an opiate analog. So um, it has this, it has similar effects. They're not as potent, uh, but they're also far less dangerous. So, so far there's no document documented evidence of anyone getting respiratory depression from Kratom, which is the big risk of uh, regular opiates where if you take too much of it of an opiate or you mix it with something else that's a depressant, uh, it will depress your body so much that you literally like can't breathe. And oh, so you wow. just like suffocate to death. And uh, it's also like not really addictive at all. Um, I mean, there's like a, it's probably like similar to weed. Like there's like a psychological component to it where it's like you do uh, it long uh, enough. You just want to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, th- I think um, with heavy use, there's a there there is a little bit of an addiction to it, Ryan. But 
Like I think there's dependency, but I don't know if that's the same as addiction. You right. know what I mean? Like, like um, if you stop, then it'll ha- you'll have like negative effects. But it's not like I I need to keep doing this. It's just right. like oh, if I didn't keep doing this, it would suck because <laughs> yeah. of the withdrawals. In a couple of days, you're okay. You just gotta yeah. put up with like a couple of bad days, and then you're all right. And that's really yeah, really true. bad shits. <laughs> yeah, that's just if you're using, um, like you're a really heavy user, I believe. Yeah, which that happens sometimes for like because people use it for healthcare and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of uh, people that are addicted to opiates uh, have been using it to get off of opiates. And um, they'll say that, like, that's all they need. They don't need to do heroin or um, fuck. What's another opiate? (laughs) Uh, Pharmaceuticals, Oxycontin. Oxycontin. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they don't need to do that anymore. They they could just do Kratom. Um, and, uh, also a lot of alcoholics, uh, have gotten off of, uh, booze with it too. Um, Uh yeah, so it's it's pretty good stuff. And, uh, it also, one, one weird thing about it is, uh, it has like a bimodal effect, which means like at very, like at, at low doses, it'll act as a stimulant, but at higher doses, it'll act as a like depressant slash painkiller slash opiate, um, so it has a different effect depending on how much you um, take. how much you take, yeah. And uh, so, like the traditional way of taking it was actually to use it as a stimulant. And basically, like uh, guys in uh, rural Indonesia would just like chew on the leaves, and yeah. it would pep them up while they're doing farm work. Um, but the way that most of us are taking it is uh, either as like a just a a drug or as a like a painkiller. So I, I take it as a painkiller because I have a bad back, and uh, it really gets rid of my back pain and everything. Um, wow. I yeah, think it works it really a, well. Has a stimulant and just do like little doses in it, but um, I'm a like uh, uh, what's the energy gets me going? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like a lot more productive. Need to do the chores, a little bit of kratom, boom, 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 and I'm on it. Um. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the dosage is weird, and it's it's different for depending on what leaf it is, like where it's from in the world, and uh, your your metabolism. Uh, the the dose kind of like swings, and it's really good to like measure it out and be like on top of it, because if you have too much, it will just like put you. And it's like couch glue, and you just fall asleep. Just. Yeah, you'll just like pass out, which I mean, that's that's fun too, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I've only taken it once as like a stimulant, but I remember it being less like anxiety inducing than caffeine in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get mad anxiety from caffeine. It's super mellow and it's not really, um, you're not like really, really high off of it, I don't think, compared to like doing like a like a harder it's like taking a baby hit of weed yeah yeah it's like taking a baby hit of weed and you're like ooh, that's fun and like you know you go about your day and it's it's not like like i would never like shouldn't operate any heavy machinery with it or anything but i think you could you could take a you know a dose of it and and go about your regular day and it's not really like that big of a deal yeah the worst thing that can happen with it is um if you take too much or if you mix it with uh dxm 
like uh, DXM cough syrup. Yeah. It'll make you really nauseous. Mm. Like especially with DXM, it, like supposedly it'll make you nauseous for like a, like a whole week. But uh, if you I just even... if you do too much, it'll just like your tummy will hurt for a few hours. You know. Yeah. And some people get a little uh, also. But it's it's also it's like an opiate too, so it might be, it might depend on like how sensitive your body is to opiates, because those will make you like nauseated really bad. So like like if you're like uh, addicted to opiates and you're using it to to wash that addiction, it might nauseate you. But that's like body reaction to the effect, and that's like how your body really react to it. Maybe you know what I mean. Damn. So so basically just another another fun drug that I won't be able to take while I'm getting drug tested. No, the uh they, you can, no you can Yeah, it, it won't show up on a drug test. <laughs> Say what? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's and it's also like the cheapest it. drug there is. <laughs> yeah, that's why I like it because I I get drug tested. That's You can like, get a kilo for like 80 bucks. <laughs> and that was last year. I don't even know if, it, like, by the time you get to the bottom of it, does this grow off of trees or something? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a leaf. It's a tree leaf. What the what? Damn. Now, I, yeah. what, one of my favorite things about it is uh, the the top grade is called uh, Mangda, which means pimp grade. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Great Here, name. Here's the fun part, though: is a bunch of states are trying to make it illegal. No, I can believe that. Like, holy shit! I can't believe yeah, it's good. I've heard so of this before be it became illegal. It sort of yeah. makes me want to just go around planning this everywhere. It's totally, it's totally a cure for like alcohol and uh, heroin abuse, opiate abuse, opiate addiction. I really, I've tons of stories. Did a lot of research on it. Yeah, it's like. Uh... Yeah, the person uh, had uh, kratom in their system, and also uh, I all the meth. And uh, <laughs> so he obviously died from the kratom. Uh, so we we need to ban it immediately. Right. <laughs> yeah, Lord help us if there's another naturally available thing that uh, yeah is not immediately bad for you and could be freely available. Yeah, and, and I was gonna say, John, uh, I don't know if I don't know if anyone's tried to plant it here. I mean, Indonesia is pretty tropical, and yeah. that's where sugarcane came from, and that mostly is grown in, like, the Caribbean and stuff, so it, they might be able to grow kratom in the Caribbean, but I don't know if they could grow it here, at least not until, like, you know, 2040 or something. <laughs> also, it, it is illegal in some states, so... Yeah, you're, that's true. If you're interested in it, like, check the laws before you buy anything over the internet and yeah. get it, because you could get in trouble. Um, yeah, this is the quick. But Google in other search. states, you can get it at the gas station. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can. <laughs> yeah, and like you can get it at head shops too. I wouldn't recommend it, but it, it's there. Um, I mean, I've got it from some head shops before, and there is a different. There is a difference. I could tell quality difference. Um, from like reputable vendors, I'd get it offline. Yeah, just like the effects, you can feel the effects a little bit. Like a little bit stronger, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's it's just better. Um, and like it was just like more. I don't want to think about it. They probably put like some sort of filler in there with it or something. 
Yeah, dirt. Because uh, yeah, dirt. Basically, I would get it like in a powder and like make a tea out of it. But you can get it in the leaf form. Also, weren't you telling me about that, Ryan? You can get it. Yeah, like- it's harder. It's much harder to find it in leaf form because, um, you know, you can't transport as much volume or right. as much uh, weight in the same volume as the powder form. But uh, yeah, I'm thinking of starting a, a small business um, making kratom tea, and uh, I was thinking today of finding a source for leaf instead of powder because it would just be easier to, you know, filter the um, the solutes or whatever, whatever the fuck the word is. Because um, with the powder, I have to, like, let it settle for, like, a day or two and then pour, like, rack it off of that, you know? Right, yeah, um, yeah. You get this stuff in the... Well, I just take a... I have a kettle, and I just mm-hmm. pour, like, a little... Like, a half a cup of tea... With that, and I put my my scoops of the good stuff in there, and just shoot it hot, and uh, it's gross and it's gritty and all around like nasty experience. But in about ten minutes, all was worth it. Yeah, I make like a full on decoction where um, I uh, f- uh, mix it with citric acid, which uh, it needs acid to release the uh, mitragynine, the chemical that is like psychoactive. And, um, so I mix it with some citric acid, which is very cheap and easily available online. Um, and then I, uh, put the Kratom in there with water, freeze it overnight. Um, and then, uh, put it in a big stock pot. Uh, so I do, I do like one quart container, uh, of the frozen stuff, 60 grams of Kratom, uh, freeze it overnight, put it in a stock pot with an additional five quarts of water. And then I throw some cinnamon sticks, some star anise, and uh, some ginger slices in there and um, bring it to a low boil for about two or three hours. And uh, then I just let it settle overnight and uh, pour it into a gallon jug. And um, yeah, it's delicious and yeah, that uh, actually does really, po- really potent. <laughs> wow, I need to come over. That sounds nice. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm it, thinking of bottling that and selling it. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. That yeah, yeah. I, I'll use it for like um a painkiller as well to like self medicate. Yep. Like if I'm like sore, whatever you know, um, it, it works. It works that way also. But I just do the same technique. I just kind of up the dosage a little bit yeah. for painkiller. Just kind of play with the dosage a little bit, and it yeah, it's totally like a really earthy taste the way i do it you can get it in pill form also uh, yeah one of my friends does that and she like she'll like poke holes in it so that it acts faster mm-hmm. um and that way you don't have to deal yeah. with the taste but with that like you want to make sure you get it like again like from a good vendor she's one um, of the people that will definitely buy the tea off of me though <laughs> so. yeah yeah i mean oh you could ship that tea to me i wouldn't mind um but yeah yeah if, i think if you drink it in a liquid form it it like it 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 reacts to your body faster. Your body. Oh yeah, for faster. sure. Yeah. It's, it's like within 10 minutes for with um, the pills. I think with, yeah. So the reason I brought Kratom up in the first place is, um, like it's, it's not technically federally illegal. Uh, but like, like soy boy said, it's illegal in some States. Um, it's primarily sold as a botanical and not labeled for human consumption. So like, <laughs> it's like people are buying it for like, 
I don't know, like uh, gardening or something like that. Uh, but it's still uh, there's still some crackdown on it because uh, the DEA will seize shipping containers of it if they find out that someone's shipping kratom in, um, like through a random inspection or whatever. They'll seize the container. So there's like a bit of risk if you're a kratom importer. Um, and then uh, another risk is. Uh, banks and credit card processors will like just block or freeze will block the transaction or freeze your account if they find out you're buying or uh, I guess selling Kratom so it's just like it the might... private arm of the state acting on yeah. it it might be where that bank's based out of if they do that like if the sale of Kratom's illegal where their headquarters is I don't know I, I really haven't heard much about that but um that sucks <laughs> Like, I don't know why the bank, because it's not federally mandated, like, scheduled drug or anything like that. Why banks would start, like, they would freeze your assets when you're going out to buy that, but I guess. Big pharma coming in. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but that kind of makes sense. But I haven't heard about that, and that's super depressing. Yay. <laughs> my state just started bringing something up. My my wife sent me a text message. About it. I was like, uh, so I get like achy pains and stuff. It helps a lot better than like drinking, <laughs> which is like one of the worst things. Period. You know, like I get a sort where I get like a little bit of this, like I'm fine, you know, and I'm not like smoking pot, risking my job. Uh, get a little bit of dank. They make fake pee for that. So... Does the oh, fake pee work still? Oh, yeah. Huh. You just gotta get it from, like, a good, you know, source. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it still works. And then, luckily, I'm gifted with, like, a really high metabolism. <laughs> also. So, if I need to, like, purge or whatever it can happen kind of quick. Plus, it's like 100 degrees outside now, all the time. So, I sweat a lot, sweat it out. But yeah, that's really unfortunate. Banks are that gonna really fuck with online. Most people get it like through vendors. Again, I, I'm not really sure. Assuming that's probably like what you do, Ryan. In a, in a larger city, there store you can get it. From but I've only seen it in, like, head shop, gas stations and shit, like. Yeah. And Supposedly there's a Kratom store around me. Um, I haven't been to it, though. Yeah, they'll sell it in liquid form. I've seen in, like, gas stations, and it's, like, this little weird brand. Yeah, you have no idea what the hell is that. Nothing. <laughs> well, uh, I think we can wrap it up here. So, um... Thanks, everyone, for coming on and talking. Uh, Sloan, John, Soy Boy, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Um, does anyone have anything to plug? Nah. <laughs> just just myself? I'm really cool, right? Check me out. Okay. <laughs> Everybody Soy Boy? Uh, I got nothing. Really, okay. You know, it's fun being with the neighbors. Neighbor block party. Woo! 
Yep. Uh, so, if uh, you enjoyed that episode, uh, this episode, <laughs> uh, 